Avengers, assemble. In the wake of Endgame, some were lost, others regained. They're good. What happens next? Stay tuned, true believers, as we try to find out. Peter Melnick, graphic designer, comic book enthusiast, and podcast pontificator, and I'm Eddie Wilson. Upstate New York radio announcer in the Sullivan Catskills, with an inordinate amount of catching up in his own comic book universe. Ready? It's time for a new episode of The Marvelists. Hi, this is Jordan Bloom, co-creator of the upcoming Marvel's MODOK for Hulu and the comic book MODOK Head Games. You're listening to The Marvelous with Peter Melnick and Eddie Wilson. Welcome everyone to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast and the first episode of 2021. Woohoo! Man, last year was fun, wasn't it, Eddie? Ma- just go on with it. Anyway, go on Facebook at facebook.com slash... The Marvelous. He's Peter Melnick, and I'm Eddie Wilson. We sure are, and we also have a very special guest on the other end of the tin cannon string. Obviously. But we will be introducing them... After the long meandering intro. Exactly. Go. But enough of this palaver. Let's get this show on the road. Wish it was. First, I've gone Facebook at facebook.com slash... The Marvelous. Go on Inst- <laughs> Instagram and Twitter at... The Marvelists. You can find us individually on social media. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Peter Melnick. You can find me on TikTok, God knows why, at Peter Melnick, but better. Well, since Say your prayers at night. Maybe you will find out why. God, why? Only, why? Only God knows why. That's right. Kid, Kid Rock, Rock. What a terrible album that was. What a terrible musician he is. But I digress. Go on Instagram at... Just Eddie9193. Go. You can also find us on a wide variety of streaming platforms, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, you name it. If there's an RSS feed, wrangle it. We'll have it. We'll put a hat on it. I don't, I don't know where that is. Unless it's sparking, it. don't touch it. It's electrified. It's electric. Doot, 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 doot. But anyway, you can also find us on iTunes where you can rate, review, subscribe, and share. If you are ever so inclined. Exactly. Five-star ice cream machine McDonald's. Broken. No. Four stars. Bad. Urgh. I digress. Anyway, go on Patreon at patreon.com slash themarvelists. Give us a bit of support. Throw some shekels down our way and help support this show. Two bits. $3 a month at the lowest gets you our undying love and gratitude. We say, hey, thanks. We give you a, you a pat on the head and you're just like, that was patronizing. Podcast credit, somehow. Exactly. Also, whenever we feel like it, sometimes we will give a newsletter update, but, you know... <laughs> We're more consistent with the higher tier ones, which for $5 a month, you're able to get the Fantastic Voyage, where myself and E. Wilson and Jay Schreiber... And somebody else in a Fantastic Car. No, that's the flying one. I'm sorry. We're able to talk about the 102 plus, plus random annuals and other issues you know, that tie in of the Fantastic Four by Stan Lee and Jack the Jack Kirby. You can all... <laughs> I don't know. Yes, you do know. Stop. You can check that show out. And this month, well, last month for the month of December, we were joined with Shane Hagedorn of an honorable mention as the guest fourth Mike. He was the fourth member of the Fantastic Four. Oh. He's not here right now. He's invisible because he's representing the invisible portion of the Four. Changed his gender too, but go ahead. And also for the month of January, the final Friday of the month, we are going to be joined with Marvel editor Tom Brevoort talking about Fantastic Four. Number six, where it features Dr. Doom and the Submariner. Namor. What about him? Him, that guy. The band, His Infernal Majesty? The wings on his feet. Oh, wings Uh, and ankles. Whatever. But you can also support the show for $8 a month, where if we don't think you suck, 
we will let you guest co-host this episode or whatever episode it would be as well as pick the topic but mostly pick the topic because if we think you suck we're not gonna let you on the mic good one that's true yes golly gee we're gonna have you know dead air on the line of hello how are you blank 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 thank you for your support on patreon we appreciate it blank 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 watch your mouth (laughs) now Eddie, yes. on the other end of the tin cannon string, we are joined with someone who is responsible for the brand new Marvel comic book series. Is it a mini-series? Series? I don't know yet, but we will find out. I'm assuming it's a mini-series. Go ahead. But the co-writer alongside Patton Oswalt, he is Jordan Bloom. He is the co-writer of Modoc Head Games, as well as the co-creator of the upcoming Hulu animated series, you guessed it, Modoc. Yes. Jordan, good evening. Good evening. Thank you guys for having me. Congratulations on this latest endeavor. We appreciate uh, what we're going to be looking forward to here. Congratulations for listening to that long meandering intro. <laughs> no, it's sympathy. I, I enjoyed it. It's, it's uh, condolences. I, I'm a big Fantastic Four guy, so i got to check out uh, ah. that, that okay. part of the podcast. As I lovingly say to every person who might listen to any of our shows, ever loving, I assure you we don't suck. So <laughs> definitely check those uh, programs out. They're actually they're very informative, and as I'm going to say in the next episode that we have with Jim Zub during the intro for it, Tom Brevoort actually taught us a lot of stuff that during the notes that I compiled for the episode, I'm thinking to myself, well. No one's no one's going to answer these questions. I'm just going to talk about them out loud. Why do they have in these old books a letter and then some random numbers? Golly, no one will ever answer that. Hey, Je- or hey, Tom, you want to do the podcast? Yeah, sure. Oh crap, we're going to get those questions answered. He knew. He knew. <laughs> Evidently. Yeah. yeah. He's like a walking encyclopedia. Yes. Right? He's the Marvel handbook. Mm-hmm. As, you know, he as he's lovingly said, he studied the Marvel arts. He's the master of the Marvel arts, and. Yeah, you will, when you listen to episode number six of Fantastic Voyage, he definitely co-signed that statement. I'll, I'll definitely have to check that out. Absolutely. Eddie, I'm pointing, Absolutely. I keep pointing yeah. to you. I don't know, you do, except absolutely. So how did this all come about, Jordan? Uh, the comic, the show, where do, you, where do you want me to start? At the beginning. Well, whichever one was In from. the beginning, there was Howard My the only knowledge of MODOK was Captain America in the comics. But from there, yeah. we're up to here, so yeah. That's kind of where I started too. Um, you know, I, I have been reading comics since I don't know, like I, before I could read. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a picture of me in a in a high chair reading a, a Mark Greenwald Captain America, and, and that's I think actually where I probably learned about Modoc was was from that run with the where AIM hired the Serpent Society to to assassinate Modoc in a coup to take back power, and uh, you know, for me it was that that Jack Kirby design just blew me away I, I think i was like infatuated with it and i remember watching the, the iron man show the animated one in the 90s and him popping up there and and um even though he was he was oddly baby-sized for some reason um and then uh i bought his action figure from that that show and um he's always just been a fascinating character to me i've always liked kind of the oddities of the marvel universe um or sort of the the B-listers, and um, you know he always had this this great gimmick of, of being this this man who was mutated into this monster and, and turned against his creators and, and overtook AIM. And, and I love that he's this very capable 
villain who's always kind of brought down by his own ego and and you know that mixed with the design was was kind of perfect for me so um uh i've been, been working in television for a while and and uh, uh exec who i had developed previous shows with got a job at marvel and and of course i was like we have to have dinner i have so many ideas and we started kind of talking about modok and just kind of wondering like what is this character who's this this floating head with with baby arms like where does that guy go at night you know you, where does when he leaves that that panel of of iron man and we start kind of talking about creating a, a family around him and also you know what is it like to run an evil organization like aim like there's got to be all this stuff you've got to deal with this overhead that you don't you don't even see or think about in the comics and we started kind of talking about this uh this concept of of, of again building um, a, a show around Modoc and uh, Patton and I had worked on a, a previous show before pilot and uh, we're looking to do something together again. And, and uh, we started talking about this, this Modoc concept and, and, you know, built, built this story around him about, about Modoc losing control of aim and kind of running it into the ground and, and uh, this uh, kind of Google like corporation swoops in and, and, uh, buys it up and tells him that nothing's going to change. That you know, keep keep trying to kill Iron Man. Just give us a tablet by Christmas. We'll be super hands off. And it's kind of the opposite. Suddenly, Modok has to answer to a board and and to HR. And and uh, then we also built this family life for him. And and he basically kind of ruins that as well. And and gets a separation from his wife. So suddenly, Modok is is out on his own trying to figure out who he is when he loses everything and, and what he wants to be. So it's sort of a midlife crisis story built around MODOK, but, uh, you know, it's very much entrenched in the Marvel Universe, and it's, it may sound kind of like a, a sitcom premise, but that's almost like the first five minutes, and then we take him off into these, these much bigger, greater adventures that he drags his family into or, or aim. And, um, you know, we just had so much fun playing in that world uh marvel approached us and said you know would you guys be interested in doing uh, a four issue miniseries about modok and we were really excited and, and i think the thing that left out of us is we we wanted to write the 616 modok like you know our version is set in a more humorous world but we wanted to write this other version of modok the one that is in the comics and we had all these ideas that we didn't use that weren't right for the the show so we were able to kind of craft a story um uh out of that for for the comic and kind of use this idea of like you know there's so many versions of modok if you look at his history in the comics you know he's been portrayed as again this like menacing uh capable villain other times like in gwenpool and our show he's a little more of a joke. And then, you know, uh, there, there's just so much you can do with him. So we like the idea of kind of making that metatextual and, and building a story about Modoc suddenly having memories of a life he, he didn't know and uh, doesn't remember. And this is a guy who's been destroyed and rebuilt and rebooted so many times that he doesn't trust his own, his own memories. And, and he's trying to kind of reconcile who he really is. So that's kind of the, the genesis of where the, the comic came out of. And, you know, with Patton Oswalt, he's one of the people that is most synonymous with the character. So many people have wanted to fan cast him. He's wanted to play the role for years. Another person synonymous 
with the character of Modoc in the hardcore comics community is This Week in Marvel's Ryan Panagos. And you had mentioned off mic a story involving Ryan pertaining to the building of the Modoc universe and how there's Marvel 616. What's the haps with uh, Modoc? Right. Well, Ryan is, is Modoc super fan number one. I think even Patton would give him that. Uh, and uh, I met Ryan uh, when I came to tour the, the New York offices, which was something I've been dying to do since I was a little kid. And I, I turned a one-hour tour into a three-hour tour because I just wouldn't leave. I wanted to talk to every editor uh, there and pick their brain. So, uh, But Ryan and I stayed in touch. And um, Ryan was, was so great in... Um, you know, we wanted to, to, to name our, our universe where our show is set. So there is someone at Marvel whose job it is to have this like giant Excel spreadsheet where they keep track of every uh, universe in the Marvel universe, in the multiverse. So we were able to name our universe, uh, give it the number coding um, of 1226, which is my son's birthday. So that's where our show is set. But we are official. We are, we are in, in that document. Uh, so, so we exist in the multiverse. And one of the things also, by the way, you mentioned that, you know, Ryan is the number one MODOK superfan. We were able to go to the Marvel offices, do an episode of our show there with Ryan. And to further hammer home the point of how much of a MODOK superfan he is, the second he walked through the door to greet us, he was carrying in his hand a Modoc mug. And I'm not talking about like, you know, little plain no. white coffee mug with, you know, him emblazoned on the side. He was drinking out of Modoc. <laughs> out of his head. <laughs> and yeah, we have we have a competition, the two of us, of, of our Modoc collections and he's destroying me. He has way more stuff. Um but we both I have like a little kind of glass case uh in in my office of Modoc memorabilia and I'm not even close to what Ryan has. I just can't believe there's so much Modoc merch that's that's really out there. To begin now, yeah. that you're saying this stuff. I mean, and just listening to how you're describing what this current Modoc incarnation is. I mean, like I started before saying, I knew him as a badass villain shooting a laser out of something okay, red in the center of his in the center of his head, and it seems like he's got a domesticated tone about him. And I don't know if there's any Modoc Uber fans, other fans who are saying, no, that's not who he is. What are you doing to him? But if if there's a memory thing involved, I can kind of go along and I get that. All right. Well, the comic version that we're doing is, is for Modoc Head Games is, is that is that character mm-hmm. is that version you know that that you're saying and and the show you know it's a, it's it's a comedic show so the the world we built around him fits that that tone but he I think we absolutely captured the essence of what people love about that character and I think the fun thing of of the family and this this new boss and all these things is that he does solve all his problems by mind blasting everything away like that he's a terrible boss. And, and not a great husband in this. And when he loses all these things, that's not going to be his solution. He can't use the one tool he uses to solve all his problems. So I think that's a fun place to put a character is to kind of take their power away and then say, okay, wh- what are you going to do to fix it? And it goes going back to when you mentioned Jack Kirby, I started backtracking when we did cover the Captain Victory comic. And I said, wait a minute, no wonder why this character looked familiar. And, it, and now Modoc is coming to mind. I'm thinking of the character of Egghead in Captain Victory. I said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah and then Zola, there's a lot of characters, I feel like. That Jack Kirby had a thing for huge, heavy characters. <laughs> uh, 
uh, and I'm I'm thankful for it. Um, and uh, but yeah, with with, with Modoc, what I think is fun. We've had conversations about him, you know, staying true to the character and whatnot. Is I think he's very flexible. I think he's like a Batman, where you know you can have Adam West Batman, you can have Frank Miller Batman, or Christopher Nolan Batman, or or the little kid, you know, Brave and the Bold version. Like that character works because the voice is so specific and the elements that make up that character are so specific. But it can be adapted in a, in a bunch of different ways without breaking the character. And I think Modoc works that way too because it's a mixture of the design and the ego uh you know and and wanting to take over the world and the drive that that character has that you can do you know a silly version of him on on that iron man show you can have him be a super threatening jack kirby villain and you could have him you know be a dad but still be modok in our in our show now you mentioned uh earlier that jack kirby had a thing for making characters with gigantic heads now, who is your all-time favorite Jack Kirby gigantic head villain, and why is it Walton Goggins? <laughs> that, that is, that, is, is that a is that just like trick me into revealing that he's he's playing Modok in the Ant Man movies? Because I have no I have no knowledge of what uh, what's happening in the movies. They don't tell me anything. That man could screen movies on his forehead. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> I love well, that it. Was, that was the theory. He either worked for Modoc or is Modoc. But again, I'm, I know just as much as you guys from reading the rumors. So. And, you know, it's it's funny because the character of Modoc is such. He's, he's like. He's the villain equivalent of Moon Knight for me. And the way I say it is like this. Over the past couple of years, Moon Knight has slowly been gaining steam as a popular, obscure character. You know, you factor in the memes going on in recent memory uh, care of Moon Knight Core, where it's, Dracula, I know you're here, you effing dork, where's my money? And you have all those different bizarre things going on, and the character has been building up and building up. And not just that, but the pre-existing fan base. You know, the people attached mm-hmm. themselves to these characters. Modoc is the villain equivalent because you really like there aren't many that are like that have that level of cult status you have stilt man but he's stilt man you went to stilt man wow okay to be fair it's an obscure i love stilt man so i'm here for that stilt man i thought daredevil but well yeah he's in daredevil oh okay comic book trivia with eddie wilson that's exactly right well (laughs) modok i was gonna go with super villain team up one of the many appearances, I guess, Incredible Hulk, uh, Fantastic yeah. Four, although maybe Marvel 2 and 1 more specifically. So mm-hmm. he's, he's gotten... That was where he's out- trying to change people into dinosaurs or something, mm. right, in that one? Could, yeah. So there, there's one where he's trying to mutate dinosaurs into people or people into dinosaurs. I can't remember which one it was. It's a lot of Modoc to go around. Okay. Well, you know, <laughs> going back over, though, real minorly to Stiltman, Stiltman is getting his own Marvel Legends figure, and, you know, Modoc is getting a revamp from the previous Toy Biz model. And Marvel and Hasbro like doing action figures based upon the film and television properties. You know, we have the whole Netflix wave where, you know, you have Charlie Cox Daredevil, you have John Bernthal Punisher, you have the most recent wave of all of the Fox characters. I would imagine, you know, you guys may not be involved in this portion, but the, they have to do a MODOK version based upon the Hulu character. You have to do it. Just make I'm, it a I'm hoping. Mm-hmm. Fingers crossed. We have some merch plan, but uh, uh, I know it's like a year out, right? You have to like kind of plan these things. That's what happened with the Mandalorian. They didn't have any of the toys ready. Yeah. Uh, when the show came, they take so long to make them. But de- it's, it's definitely been discussed. I'll say that. 
And just the idea, you know, if we're getting into the Spider-Verse action figures through the Marvel Legends line, I don't see why not they would do a MODOK line. And I hope so. Especially uh, his daughter, Melissa, who looks just like him on our show, uh, is such an amazing visual. Um, she's played by Melissa Fumero, but she's kind of the, the queen bee, um, you know, popular girl in school that no one seems to acknowledge that she looks like a MODOK. And she just kind of <laughs> runs that place like like Heather's. Uh, so she's the one I want the most, even more than MODOK. I want a Melissa toy. And by the way, on the topic of the MODOK action figures, I remember not too long ago, uh, Hasbro was doing their Hasbro Pulse event online, and they brought Ryan in to talk about something. And I'm a member of multiple Marvel Legends groups on Facebook, on Twitter, Instagram. And in the Facebook group I'm in, Ryan shows up, and they immediately have speculation. And they just go, wait a minute, MODOK is the next figure they're going to come out with now. Because if you notice in the background, there's MODOK toys. I'm like, have you met Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> Ryan did give me give me some heads up uh, for some of those, and also the game too. Heads um, up, get it? Because Monica Rappuccini is a, is a huge character in our show, and she was uh, one of the, the main baddies with MODOK in in the Avengers game. So it was nice to kind of have accidental synergy. <laughs> I just love, like, I messaged Ryan right afterwards. I go, you do realize what they're speculating, right? He's like, oh, my God, it's my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his, his entire, he's like a MODOK wall. So anytime he's interviewed, you're going to think something MODOK comes out. And I, I again, you know, because we keep uh, circling back to Ryan on this, but the one of the funniest things also is whenever a MODOK announcement comes out, like, again, with an action figure or a Lego set, when the Lego set came out, I immediately tagged him. I'm like, I you do realize I'm associating you with this now from now on until forever. Because again, just it's funny to see a person is that synonymous with a character. And I think, I think it, you know, you got to ask this, is Ryan going to make a cameo? Uh, I cannot say oh. as, at this moment, uh, but Ryan has been a great, a great supporter uh, from, from like day one and, and is, is always signal blasting you know, stuff about the show and the comic. And, and um, you know, he was the first person I asked uh, to read it uh, when it was done and, and get his thoughts. Because if we didn't make Ryan happy, we failed. He's like the Pope of MODOK. He is. <laughs> he's, he, once we had his blessing, we were good to go. Now, Eddie? Yeah, I'm just going with, yeah, Greenwich Village to MODOK. Okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, Pope, they, right, sure. Okay, so. But I was going to go back and ask too, Jordan, the the Modoc figure you got from years back. When was that 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 first you you saw on the market? That was then early the mid nineties. Was that Iron that Marvel Action Hour with the uh, Fantastic Four and Iron Man? Yeah, and Modoc was in that. And then they they made um, him actually the right size. They didn't make a baby size Modoc uh, toy, which I was grateful for. So I still have that one, um, and uh, we actually have a scene in the pilot where it sort of gets referenced, Modoc talking about a toy of him. Uh, so it may appear in the show as well. And again, what we're looking at here is a uh, four-issue miniseries that, uh, well, I just have to see where that's going to go from, I suppose. I'm, I'm guessing there are other ideas what can be done. There's probably a, a, a bucket full of ideas as to what could happen. Or a floating hover chair. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's kind of a fun tour 
through Murdoch's history. The mystery is, is him having, again, these memories that, he, that don't make sense in his life. So he has to kind of travel through his comic book history. So we get everyone from Iron Man to, to Gwenpool showing up. Uh, and uh, it's a fun, super action-packed series. We, we, we loved the idea of kind of doing like a born identity with, with Modoc as the action hero lead, which is something you never really get to see him as. Mm. Um, and, you know, we, we wanted to, to go deep into the Marvel universe with it. I think uh, there's in, in issue two, he and Iron Man go undercover at a, um, like a super villain weapons expo in Las Vegas. Mm. Uh, so we got to do our own casino Royale with, with those two. Uh, sneaking in, and which is very hard for Modoc to do, but we, we found a way to get get him to go undercover. That makes sense. And um, trench coat. It was it, we just put every villain we could, you know, in it. And again, like I keep going back to that Mark Grunewald run of Captain America, but you know, there's so much there uh, that is that to me is is the Marvel universe that I I grew up with. Uh, you know, he used to write the handbooks uh, the, the, and all that stuff. So we pulled a lot of the characters from his run. A lot of characters actually pop up on the show as well in cameos or, or various roles show up in, in issue two, but we just had so much fun Easter egging that, that issue. And, and uh, Scott Hepburn, our artist just threw in so many ideas and gags and background stuff. You get to basically see this giant villain convention uh, in Vegas. So there's, there's so much to pull from. I just think of a diminutive uh, custom sized trench coat for him. I mean, if it worked for Ben Grimm in the or, days. Every, or every Ninja Turtle or Batman during the dream sequence in BVS. Cold yeah. and well, well, you have to have the hat too. You have to have a fedora and then no one can tell. Maybe sunglasses. That's it. Then you're, then you're golden. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think, I think the MODOK undercover thing will make a lot of fans happy. Cause it's something that's kind of uh, talked about a lot in the comics of who he gets mistaken for, so he he leans into that um, and 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 is able to infiltrate this this villain uh, convention. I would say, uh, what's his name uh, from the movie Drive? Uh, what's his name? I don't remember his name now. He Can't help you, Ryan. Ryan Gosling, yes. Another Ryan? Wait a minute. What's going on here? They they look so much alike. You know, it's the chin. But in in regards to uh, the, you know, the random appearances of characters through the, you know, the Mark Grunwald run, I would personally love to see, and, you know, I don't want, you know, any confirmation or, you know, denying of it, but, man... D-Man showing up would be amazing because he is the lovable loser of the Marvel Universe. I agree. I I loved him, reading him in that cap run, and then uh, he was fantastic in... Uh, Daniel uh, Kibblesmith wrote that Lockjaw miniseries, right? He was a big part of that, and I remember really enjoying his portrayal in, in, in that one. Uh, Daniel is a friend, and I was uh, I had him read the first issue too to be like is this is this good does this work as a comic because uh he he's uh he's been through it with with his uh with his issues that are all fantastic his loki run i i love so he was uh my my second set of eyes when when uh, before i handed in the first script just to make sure i wasn't um ruining comics i'm i'm assuming you've also read uh daniel's quantum and woody run yes i love a lot of his valiant stuff is so uh fantastic um he's such a, a great writer um and uh we've become uh pals daniel's uh, good daniel's very good people i owe him a uh, garfield shirt where it's uh, garfield wearing a cowboy hat and it says 
When I die, I don't know if they'll let me into heaven. They don't know if they, or I don't know if they'll allow cowboys. I butchered the shirt, but you get the point. Garfield and that's, wearing cowboy that's fantastic. I, well, I know shirt, his, his history with Garfield and the convention and all that. So you owe him that uh, shirt? That's a story yeah. for another time. <laughs> D- DHL sent it back to the uh, the uh, distributor, which is a real shame, but he was supposed to get it. Because Daniel lives in a gigantic church. <laughs> in, in one of the five boroughs, I believe, right? <laughs> And he's met the famous uh, Home Depot skeleton. He has. Yes, he has. Well, that's a good thing because I possess one myself. Of the of of Halloween 2020, the giant 12 foot Halloween skeleton. We, if you didn't know, Jordan did get to meet and do a podcast live in our local comic book store, Main Street Comics in uh, in Middletown. Oh, awesome! Uh, I'm I'm from upstate New York, but not. Not that upstate. I uh, I grew up in Westchester, but uh, people call that upstate, but it's not really upstate. It's the burbs, perhaps, of uh, the city. So, how many mutants yeah. did you see in Westchester? Get it, X Men. Oh <laughs> no, I I was very proud of that because South Salem is very close to me, and North Salem is pretty close to me, and so I assumed Salem Center was somewhere in between. Sounds good to me. <laughs> I believe that's the X-Men address, the original one. Now it's Krakoa, but... (laughs) The (laughs) island that walks like a man with a lot of charts. Now, in regards to what is to come in regards to this character of MODOK, I'm noticing little bits and pieces of the Head Games miniseries kind of have, you know, maybe certain parallels to the animated series. What can we expect as a reader of the series and as a future watcher of the show? Um, well, that's, it's, uh, that's kind of where a genesis, the genesis of the series sort of came from is that, you know, the version in our show does not make sense in the, you know, 616. It's, it's a different take on the character. And we thought, well, wouldn't it be really interesting if, if <laughs> Modoc has memories of, of a similar life like that? And, uh, it was an interesting way to kind of connect the two projects by essentially making that the core mystery and, and kind of making it uh, the meta narrative of what's happening to him because comic book Modoc remembering a life similar to the one on the show makes makes no sense and would drive him insane. Uh, his, his goals are very different. So um, we were able to kind of interweave those and, and I think, um, you know, create something that will hopefully surprise people that it's not, we're not just trying to shoehorn our characters into the Marvel universe. And we're not trying to, uh, you know, make some kind of cheap connection between the two. I think it it really creates an interesting story with an interesting payoff that will kind of change MODOK going forward in the, in the comics as well. And this episode is being recorded on January 5th, 2021 tomorrow, January 6th, we will be seeing the debut of MODOK head games. Number two, I believe at all local comic shops and comicsology.com. That's correct. I can't wait for people to read it. And one of the things about, you know, with, with these, uh, unfortunate COVID times, we have not been able to do the convention circuit, being able to go to cons and, you know, speak to creators in person, it is it is such a bummer to not be able to go to the conventions and you know sign the books for the audience. I'm imagining, correct? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I've been lucky enough to do some safe signings where where you know Pat and I came in at different times to Golden Apple, our comic store in L.A., to to sign a few behind some glass and then uh, 
they were they were sold separately. It's, it's a very uh, removed signing process, but we were glad that we were able to get some copies out to the people who wanted them. And but it was a huge bummer, and you know it was a bummer that we weren't able to do our our live panel for the show either. We had some big plans. We were going to wheel Pat Mountain in a giant Modoc uh, costume, but uh, alas, I guess we'll have to find another time to do that. Was the costume purchased? It was. It was going to be made. Oh my by God. Uh, stupid buddy. Um, not only, you know, are they incredible at, at, at fabricating and making puppets and sets and all this stuff, they actually have this thing called Buddy Builds where they do huge builds for, like, they do the, um, the masks on the mask Singer, and they did, like, a giant Godzilla that was on top of the, um, the, the dome uh, at the Arclight in Hollywood when, when the last Godzilla movie came out. So they do, like, they can do huge things, you know, kind of like on a, a Weta scale. Uh, so they were going to build a giant Modoc head for Patton to be wheeled out in, and then he would kind of come out of it. So, you know, there's still talk of maybe doing that for something else down the line, but we were very bummed to, to not be able to introduce the show that way, uh, but we still had a, a great time at the New York Comic Con. Yeah, if that's been talked about in, in the process, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. I mean, I remember seeing a giant Galactus head at Terrificon a couple years ago. So, yeah, that's very much in the realm of possibility. And I just want to see Patton being pushed around in a giant moda, just for the visual alone. And Ryan in tow. <laughs> and by the way, you... Ryan should be the one pushing him. Ryan should be dressed as an AIM agent, wheeling him out. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that's going to happen, too. I'm telling you. <laughs> and by, by the way, you mentioned that signing at Golden Apple Comics. Golden Apple is a comic shop that is synonymous with the West Coast. And... I've wanted to go there for a very long time. You know, when I when I hear the stories about the Image co-founders doing signings there where there's, like, lines around the block, Easy e from yeah. MWA shows up to meet Rob Liefeld, you know, just the... It's it's amazing. I would love to be able to experience that, and I'm assuming that is uh, your home shop? Yeah, it's a fantastic store. I've been going there since I moved to L.A. in about 2005, and, you know, it's a family-run business. Uh, the whole family works there. They're fantastic. It's kind of introduced me to a comics community I never had. I, I, you know, I've been, been reading and buying comics forever, but I, you know, it was always kind of this thing I did on my own. I had no one to talk to about it, and it's really kind of opened up this world where, you know, I become friendly with a lot of the other regulars. You know, Pat and I would just run into each other sometimes shopping there, um, and uh, it's just a really, really great store that has been so supportive of us and the book and. Um, you know, uh, I, I've since moved from Hollywood uh, closer to the beach, but I still drive out of my way uh, to go there and, and go every Wednesday to pick up my book because I just love that store. I actually went to uh, Midtown Comics, uh, the Times Square location, back in 2011, and I this was around the time of uh, the Fear Itself event. And I'm in the shop, and all of a sudden I recognize somebody walking around the store, and it was Patton. And... I'll be completely honest. I'm that awkward weirdo fan. I immediately stood behind him afterwards to check out. Cause I'm like, well, time for me to check out too. And <laughs> I go behind and I notice like what he had. And I'm just like, I should read that book. I should read that book. And needless to say, I left with the Hulk versus Dracula comic as a result of Patton and just his, the way he sold it as on his, uh, I think Instagram or Twitter that night was all right. Going to go home and watch, uh, or read the Hulk fight Dracula. I'm like, that's a solid plan. And that's the end of that anecdote. <laughs> he, he is committed. Like, he is uh, a super fan. And uh, he go, he doesn't miss a Wednesday. 
He's there. He he's great at finding new stuff too. We we're constantly kind of trading recommendations, and then you know we're also uh, good friends with Jerry Duggan. So kind of the three of us are like, have you read this? Have you read that? You know, have this text chain going out. Uh, so it's it's I I love my 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 comic community now with, with these guys because like they're such uh, deep readers that they they're always finding kind of smaller books I might have overlooked or or missed, and it's it's fun to kind of bring one to their attention as well. And it's, it's all, it's, I would say the in-person comic community is so much better than doing and dealing with the online comic community because I'll go to a comic shop and, you know, have a conversation with the, the staff there or have a conversation with, you know, fellow customers talking about what is going on in the world of comics or, you know, what you recommend. And, you know, there's very few online communities where they have that same level of spontaneity or that same level of, you know, you build that friendship, you build that trust. And that's absolutely true with, you know, what you mentioned with Jerry and Patton. And, you know, yeah. Yeah, nothing will replace that kind of, you know, in-person talk, or especially at the store, too, where you can just go run over and be like, have you read this? You know, pick it out off the shelf. And, um, you know, for me, that's, it's it's such a ritual uh, it doesn't feel like a real week unless i'm there in the store on a wednesday and you know even when uh you know uh, early parts of, of covid when the stores were closed like golden apple we're doing kind of uh we're allowed to to bring your book safely to your car uh just so you wouldn't miss that week so it's uh it's been tricky uh, this year or last year i guess but um you know for me it's it's just what I look forward to. It's the perfect way to break up the week is to go into the store, walk the shelves, talk to everyone and, 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 you know, be a part of that community. And in regards to books that are going on nowadays, what are some of the books you've been reading yourself? Well, I'm an X-Men guy, uh, through and through, which is why I was so excited, uh, that Jordan uh, White was our editor and Lorna Morrow who, who are uh, in the X office. And, um, uh, so I've been loving everything Krakoa. Uh, there is a Krakoa scene in issue three of Modoc because Gwenpool is now living there. So I've been eating all of that up. I really liked um, Suicide Squad uh, this year or last year. I keep saying this year. Um, I enjoyed that. What else was I just consuming the other day? But sir, you mentioned the distinguished life. competition. Yeah. Well, I read everything. <laughs> I mean, I, I follow writers and, and artists and you know there's characters i follow too like i said i'll read i uh, i own every x comic or i'm almost there like except for issue one i'm missing like i will if it has an x character in it i will buy it and i've collected it so uh i am loyal to those things um but there's a lot of you know hulk is is probably the best book i've read um this year uh the the mortal hulk is blowing my mind um there's so much good good Marvel stuff um, out there. I'm loving Iron Man. I love Doctor Doom. Chris Cantwell, I think, is a fantastic writer. Um, uh, and then, you know, the, the Batman stuff I'm big into. And, um, you know, there's just there's so much. I, I don't know about you guys. My stack is, is I, I can barely get through it um, now. And I have two kids, which has just made it even harder. Oh. I fall asleep about uh, half a comic in, not because of the quality of the comic, because I'm exhausted as a parent with two kids stuck at home right now. Uh, but uh, I'm trying to keep up uh, as best as I can because it's just like I keep adding every week. I remember those days, absolutely. I'm not talking about the two kids, but just the adding of the titles and stuff. I mean, 
24 titles a month, I think, is was had been at my peak, and I'm talking about the mid to late 80s thereabouts or, or so. But, yeah, you get some idle downtime, whether it's kids are doing other activities and 15 minutes into whatever, and you're, like, dozing. I get it. Yeah, I have to carve out that time. Uh, my wife and I have decided to break up the weekends where I get one morning and I just cram it all. I try to read as many comics as possible uh, before my time is up. And then she gets the next day to do her, her reading. So, uh, you know, my habits have changed. Uh, I used to read them all the day I got them. Uh, that's been trickier. But I got my kids into comics, which is great. And now, you know, my son, yeah, who's sick, he can't get enough of Venom, big Venom for any symbiote he's on board. Uh, so I get him that, and he likes Green Lantern. So those are the two he's reading. And my other son, who's uh, almost two, you know, his his first word was Hulk. So that's where we're at with <laughs> wow. him. Wow. Hulk. <laughs> what happened to mom and dad? <laughs> I don't know. They they come second to the wow. Hulk. I mean, I don't blame them. Hulk's have, awesome. <laughs> we have a mom. We have a dad. We have a Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> All righty then. That's, that's, so before we go, Jordan, first off, thank you for speaking with us today. This has been so much fun. Thank you guys for having me. The most Modoc in one episode of anything you're ever going to hear, at least in 2021. <laughs> well, there's the Modoc. There can show. always be more Modoc. Yes, but, well, uh, you know. It was fun talking Modoc. And of course, you have an open invite to come on whenever you feel like, you know, talk anything if you want. All righty. I really appreciate that. Thank you guys. Now, before we go, how can people get a hold of you on them, their social medias? Uh, they can find me uh, on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, it's at Bloom Jordan. And, uh, yeah, I'm usually uh, posting, trying to promote this stuff and, and get it out there. And I love talking comics. So if you want to talk X-Men, MODOK, whatever, uh, just at me. Let's get into it. For The Marvelists, I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Jordan Bloom. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Excelsior! It's Obsessed with Marvel. Jordan Bloom on our guest line. <gasps> Thank you again, Jordan. All right, let's go right to it. Question two, right. 2420 reads... Armbar. Who was you, man? As in the letter U, no, man. who was Jim Neidhart? I've been over this it's time not what, time It's again. not what this says. I have the book. You just listen. You, you Melnick. Who was you, man? A member of the First Line? The cyborg soldier in Deathlock? The robot created by Baron Heinrich Zemo? Or an Atlantean supervillain working with Nazis? Who was you, man? Shall I read him again? Yes, I will. Member of the First Line, cyborg soldier in Deathlock? Robot created by Baron Heinrich Zemo? Or an Atlantean supervillain working with Nazis? Who was you, man? Eddie was my man. I'm going to go with Zemo. I think it's some one Nazi had a hand in you, man, is my guess. I don't know if it's an Atlantean one or a Zemo, but I'll go with Zemo. I'm, I'm guessing. See, I'm, I'm also uh, privileged sort of kind of looking at what's sort of on the side of this page, and it's got the uh, cover of the giant size of Invaders, and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, that time frame. I'm kind of thinking myself, the Atlantean supervillain working with Nazis. Swerve, bro. So, one of those. I'm thinking personally it would be the Deathlock one, but. Okay, so we have three different answers. I'm going to go with letter D, which is what I chose. It is correct. How do you like that? 
Applesauce. And that is a uh, invaders, uh, Atlantean yes. uh, Nazis. The okay. Atlantean supervillain working with Nazis. Okay, that's pretty good since I haven't caught up on that run. The invaders. OMG, what's he going to do next? I like that Eddie recently read, though, he's caught up on Immortal Hulk, which is the most surprising thing that a comic made in this decade was actually caught up by Eddie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's it, so much good stuff. We'll get you, we'll get you on that text chain. There is, there is hope. Wrecked. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh no! Don't put me on that chain. I'll be I'll be locked in, and will, there'll be no escape. Twelve ten is the question number. This is, has a little bit of backstory to it. Oh, it's going to be a great Jordan question. Here we go. Besides the Dark Phoenix saga, Chris Claremont and John Byrne's other great triumph in their collaboration on the Uncanny X Men was Days of Future Past in issues one forty one and one forty two. The overall theme of X Men has always been the battle against bigotry. Mutants serve as a metaphor for any group or individual who has been the object of prejudice. Days of Future Past presented an alternate future in which the mutant-hunting sentinel robots have either exterminated mutants or confined them to prison camps. The spirit of the middle-aged mutant, Kate Pride, travels back to the present into the body of her teenage self, the X-Men's Kitty Pride. She then joins the alternate future X-Men team, in an attempt to change history by preventing the event that led to the dystopian future, the assassination of a U.S. Senator by Mystique's Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Which member of Mystique's Brotherhood also served in Magneto's Brotherhood of Evil Mutants? Choices are The Blob, Avalanche, Pyro, or Mystique? That would be one of my all-time favorite villains, The Blob. I knew you were going to know that in like 1.1 second. <laughs> There's a long build-up to the question. They kind of like told you the entire story of Days of the Future Past. Yeah, exactly. I should just go to the question maybe. But, we, you know, it's, it's no, cool no, to no, have no. that. No, 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 I appreciated it. I'm just yeah. saying it's a very long written question. See, if there was a sponsor for the show, that's when I would put the ad read in the middle of his, like, you know, uh, the paragraph. Just yeah. <laughs> BlueChew.com. back and he's still reading. That's great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's what I do. I, yeah, I think it's unanimous. The Blob. He didn't ask me my opinion, Eddie. Not I think it's the blob. It's the blob. And there's a song that could go with yeah, that. Beware of the blob. Blah, 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 blah. That's exactly right. 542. Let's get down there, shall we? No, it's 659. 542. It was until an hour or so ago. And it says, why did Peter and Mary Jane agree to make a deal with Mephisto to end their marriage? To save Aunt May because she got yeah. shot 50 cent style. Oof. That's letter B, yeah. to save Aunt May's life. The other choices say to save New York City from destruction, to make Peter's dual identity secret again, or to bring Harry Osborne back to life. But it, it does, sounds like... But it does that, too. It which, does make his identity secret again, doesn't it? Yeah. Because afterward, this was around the time he was getting sued by uh, JJJ. Right. This is after Civil War. Everyone knows he's Peter, so it puts the, the genie back in the bottle, and then... It also saves Aunt May. It's and what like a, was the um, dual wish? The storyline was called. Was it One More Day? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Which so I think leads to really good comics. Like I think Brand New Day is, is fantastic. One More Day, not my favorite. Hashtag Sting Brand New Day. That's something else. <sighs> so we're going to go with letter B <laughs> to save Aunt May's life, and we are. Three for three. Oh, we Unheard are, of. We can be heroes just for one day. <laughs> David Bowie. Let's see. Others have redone no that. Peter. Blondie. Okay. Okay. And let's go for a fourth because we tend to do that. If it's a fifth, that means we're drinking. Okay. 
And <sighs> Peter breathing heavily once again. Thank goodness we don't share a microphone in these times or previous. One, oh, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. 10, 1030. Another time reference. No, Worst day end. No, it's seven something now. Okay. So it's in 1030. From which supervillain did Count Nefaria not steal his superpowers? Now I'm thinking X Men issue number 94 here, but that's how I know Count Nefaria, I believe. From which supervillain did Count Nefaria not steal his superpowers? The Living Laser, Graviton, Power Man, or Whirlwind? Are we talking about just Kinks albums now? Kinks albums. I want to go Living Laser because I can picture him doing all the other powers. Like he gets, cause he gets pretty souped up. Like when he's in that X Men comic where he kills Thunderbird, he's not that powerful. But later he's got this like yellow and black costume. He actually, I think he believes he pops up in uh, Modok uh, Head Games issue two. Uh, on sale. Uh, <laughs> Look at that. Uh, and there's our end. Yeah. I, ad I adore that cheap plug so much. <laughs> I try. Um, but I, I don't believe he's ever had laser powers. I could be wrong. I don't know. I'm a fire in my lasers. Any ideas, Peter Melnick? Not really. Not really? Well, let's just defy, defy, defer to the living laser answer from Jordan and oh, go with gravity. A. No. <laughs> the answer oh. is Graviton. Gravitas? Graviton. Maybe I'm mistaking the two of them because they're both like dark-haired, mustachioed villains. Now, which is your preferred way of saying it, by the way? Mustache or moustache? Uh, moustache is way more fun. Moustache is way more fun. I, you know, if you've given the choice, Jordan says that. Okay. As of this recording on January 5th, Eddie Wilson is actually growing a moustache upon his face. and That's no other place to be. He yeah. reminds me of a young Mel Blanc. <laughs> the man of 15 voices over here, ladies and gentlemen. You can only hope there's more than one. Actually, I've never heard Eddie do an impression, which kind of breaks my heart, because I do all the impressions on the show, and I'd like to hear Eddie do at least one. Like, maybe he's got, you know, like a really bitchin' RuPaul or somebody. Uh, no, not, <laughs> not that. Okay. So we're four questions in, we're three for four, and what do you think? That is Peter. Tough question. <laughs> Three for four. Let's call it a wrap. Shall we? No, I call it hip-hop. The music of the street. That joke sucked. Good mm. Lord. <sighs> Jordan. Well, I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed we didn't get four for four, but, uh, you know, room for improvement. Uh, our, <laughs> yeah. best, our best run of these questions so far, so thank you for, Jordan, being there. <laughs> My pleasure. I was glad I could help. Really fun.